We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one third of this trio, Justin Williams. And today, today I'm joined with the man of the hour, the guy who kind of works behind the mics, in front of the mics. He does everything with computers. You know him. He writes an article for the podcast every week, and it's a long article, but it's very well informed. And if you're not part of the newsletter, you know how to sign up. Go to our website. It's on there. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm with Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? Fantastic, buddy. I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic. Well, as you know, Kobe, we have a guest on today. And uh, she's pretty fantastic. We were chatting just before we started going, uh, not really live, but started recording this. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I'm going to introduce to you a girl who goes by multiple names, depending on if you know her personally or professionally. She goes by Katie Joe or KJ Spizak. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, anytime. Yeah, it's awesome to have you on. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing we love more than, than talking soccer and especially talking women's soccer. So you fit both categories. Welcome yeah, to the show. Especially now that you guys won the uh, gold medal. Yeah, that was uh, a welcome surprise, to be honest. I, I wasn't sure if we'd actually make the podium, to tell you the truth, and to win the gold. I'm just happy for Christine Sinclair. Yeah. Yeah, the GOAT. She's pretty incredible. And for her to get a gold is, is incredible as well. It's, it's due time for her, at least in Canadian eyes anyways. And I feel like people, most of the community have been like, even like most soccer communities are probably like, eh, she kind of deserves that. A hundred percent she deserves it. Somebody on, not ESPN, but like ESPN's Twitter kind of related to Messi getting the, uh, like his finally domestic trophy of the yeah. uh, Copa America. And I'm like, huh? yeah, mean, that's the equivalent. Yeah. I'm like, I think so too, but I'm Canadian and selfish when it comes to that. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm overstepping my bounds. So <laughs> to have you very, no, I think that's, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the equivalent. She's the best. She, and she has been the best for n numbers of year number of years. And, you know, to be compared to Messi, she is the Messi of, of women's soccer for sure. Did you get a chance to play against her? Did I? Yes. I don't recall because I have a terrible memory, but yes, I was never teammates with her, but we did play against each other for sure. Okay. Okay, cool. And in your professional year of being a coach and of actually playing goalie, how do you train against somebody like that of like any striker really who has that precision and power? Like, how do you really go about coaching that? Coaching the, like a player like Sinclair? Well, like when you're like coaching for like somebody who is in, who's a goalie, right? So you're like, okay, so this person has like really good accuracy, but maybe they're not as like powerful or somebody who has both power and uh, like technique. Like how do you coach a goalie to stop that? You know, I, you train a goalkeeper for what the game calls for from shot stopping to breakaways to collecting crosses, you name it. You have to be good across the board and to prepare for somebody like Sinclair 
you discuss and you understand the tendencies of players and you have scouting reports of different players. So that's really the only preparation, you know, leading into a game that week, you will work on certain tactics that that team is known for and typically goes towards their best player strengths. So yeah, you don't necessarily train for the specific player. Again, you have a scouting report on what they tend to do and what their dominant foot is, where they score their goals, how they score their goals. So you're prepared for that. Nice. Yeah, KJ, you've been with the NWSL from the very beginning since its inception. How have you seen the development of the league to where it is now? Yeah, I've been here since the beginning. It's been incredible. And, you know, I I go back a bit to the WUSA. I grew up, well, I guess I was in college when the WUSA was around. Yeah. And that league unfortunately folded. So, and then I ended up playing in the WPS, which was our second league. And for the third league to come around, you know, and be around for we're in our ninth season now, it's pretty incredible. And it's it's in a place and for growth, and it continues to grow and it continues to be stronger and stronger. If you compare it from when it started till now, the quality of players definitely for sure has gotten better because of opportunity that's out there. Like if you look at our national team, we're definitely stronger now because we have a league that is growing and developing these players. That's right. So as the league continues to carry on and more teams get involved, we have two more expansion teams coming in next season. The room for growth is exponential. So to see where it came from, to where it is now it's very promising and we continue to trend in the right direction yeah i mean given the effect that the pandemic has had on a multitude of leagues that are out there i believe the nwsl was actually like the first major organized team league that got going during the pandemic and the first major tournament that happened and now coming out of it they're looking to grow which to me is a surprise. I mean, obviously they they've done very well in the interim and haven't seen previous leagues fold the mm-hmm. leadership and the administrative side of things must be doing wonders with the NWSL. Yeah. I think, you know, through the pandemic, we definitely, we were the first professional league out there and playing um, in a safe environment. No cases were reported at the tournament and to see it grow nearly 300% is insane. It's crazy. Yeah, surely women's sports are starting to come into the spotlight and we're seeing that. So I forget your uh, initial question because I was geeking out over the fact that the growth has, has been exponential. No, no, I'm right there with you. It's it's crazy. Like you, you'd expect to see leagues struggling at this point. And that's one of the leagues mm-hmm. that along with women's basketball as well, just came out of the pandemic growing, which was incredible. And I think it allowed those sports to get viewers that maybe previously hadn't given it mm-hmm. a chance. And now that they've seen the quality of the the product that's produced in these leagues, they're now along for the ride. They're, they're going to follow it from this point on. And you've seen it both as a player and as a coach. Do you feel the NWSL is really here to stay or will it go into another sort of like, develop into something else? That's a great question. I think that it is here to stay. I, I do think that whether women's sports are in the golden ages or we're just entering the golden age, 
I think now's the time and you're seeing that and it's time to invest in women's sports. Women's sports are on an economic upswing and you're seeing that with more and more investment with owners coming in and investors coming in and they're, they're being innovative in their thinking on how to structure a league and how to structure the ownership and teams so that the original normal quote unquote normal way of structuring an organization like the NFL or the MLS is shifted and, and women are being more unique and different in how they're investing in teams and growing the league and building the league out. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. We've seen that from, from multiple sports actually. Yeah. So as Kobe touched on earlier and as you guys did as well, the growth of, of just women's sports is, is fantastic and we are huge advocates for it. And you had touched on very, very briefly about the expansion happening. How much of that do you know? Like, do you have a pulse on it? Do you know, like, what, what do you know about the expansion? I'm so curious that you've triggered my, my interest. About the expansion teams? Yes. So there are two teams coming in next season, as I said, one of which is in LA, Angel City FC, has an very impressive uh, investment group that kind of launched and took this turn into getting a group of investors rather than one, two, or three sole owners of a team. Okay. And they've made some awesome announcements from their head coach. They made a deal with Louisville, Racing Louisville, this week to get Kristen Press as their first player out in Angel City. And then in San Diego, San Diego's having a club come in as well, and that's being headed by Jill Ellis, who we all know is former women's national team and World Cup winning head coach. Nice. Wow, that's some pretty impressive stuff coming out of that. Yeah, yeah, big things happening. There are other ownerships in other cities that are interested in buying in and having a team but i think the league is being very strategic in how they're growing and making sure you know it makes sense and they're getting the right investors in and again growing at a rate that is that we can maintain quality of play right you you don't want to dilute the league too quickly right and then have a difficult time really filling out rosters with true talent right yeah, so you want to grow sure. In small amounts, but at the point, I mean, even even at 10 teams, I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if you were to uh, kind of take a, a stab at it, where do you think the next expansion would be? Or where would you like to see it go? Well, I'm a St. Louis gal. I would love to see it in St. Louis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's my personal thought. They just they have an MLS team. They do. They go live next season. They come into the league. But yeah, selfishly, I want it to be there. I don't know. I would like to see it expand into Canada. You know, the oh, Canadian Federation has, yeah, has, <laughs> has helped out with this league. And, and, you know, the league is home to numerous Canadian players, past and present. I would love to see it expand up into Canada. So before I pass this over to Kobe, I have a really interesting St. Louis story to tell you, actually. Regarding soccer as well. Uh, so awesome. Sorry, Kobe, just sit tight for a second on this Go one. Go ahead, bye. I love these stories. So you may not know this about me, but I'm a touring comedian. So I go to random cities in the States a lot, and I do shows, Buffalo. St. Louis is one of my favorite places to perform, and I don't care if it's wow. a bar or if it's in a club. It is one of my favorite places. I did a show one day, and the St. Louis FC was there, if I'm not mistaken, as their team. 
the NASL, mm-hmm. who played for the North American Soccer League at the time. This is just before the the USL kind of did their kick thing. So I believe they had either just went to the USL or was still the NASL. Either there was like six players there. So I did my set, whatever, got off, and they're like, "Hey, we have to take you to this donut place, and you might know it. It's called Vincent Van Donut in St. Louis." I have never heard of that. Okay, same. Right. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and these are six guys I don't even know. And I'm like, let's go. So we just rolled up to this place. It wasn't too far from the club. We go there and like they they spoil me. They're like, oh, you have to try this donut. You have to try this donut. I'm like, oh, awesome. So I'm trying whatever it is. And I put a tweet out after. And I was like, oh my God, these Vincent Van Donuts are so good, but they cost me an, an arm, a leg, and an ear. Oh my gosh. Right. I thought it was hilarious. They all laughed. <laughs> we chuckled. Ha ha ha. They invite, me, they invite me to the game the next day. So I'm at the game and I'm cheering for them. I'm like, woo. Actually, coincidentally, they were facing TFC2 that day. So I was like, Toronto, but also St. Louis. So I was kind of torn. <laughs> I get a DM from Vincent Van Donuts and they go, hey, our prices are expensive, but we're still cheaper than Krispy Kreme. And I was like, oh, they got offended. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it was a joke. <laughs> I love that they slid into your DMs and got back at you. They did. And it was funny because it must be somebody in corporate because somebody slid into my DMs and then somebody also tweeted at me. So I got it twice. I couldn't miss it. Oh, wow. I love that. Let's stop and admire like the name. That's pretty funny. It's pretty yeah, clever. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I, I need to go figure out where exactly it was. Next time in, I'm in St. Louis, I'm going to have to go check that place out. Sure. Hopefully it survived COVID. I must go check. So are you living in Washington now? Yeah, I'm in DC. I've lived here since I graduated college. Yeah. And so I went to Texas A&M and then got picked up by the Washington Freedom out of college and came up here and stayed here, made it my home base. Yeah. I love the area. It's very different than Texas slightly, but uh, love the area. So let's, let's go back a couple of years to your time in Texas as a Texas A&M Aggie, you have been inducted into their Hall of Fame, correct? I was, yes, yes. Now, how awesome is that? It was very special. I didn't expect it. And when my college coach called me to let me know that I'd been voted in, I like lost it because A&M is, it's heaven on earth. If you haven't been, you got to go. But it's just an incredible mecca for college athletics. So to be in the uh, the Hall of Fame with a lot of the greats that that are in there, it's just a huge honor. And for me to go back there and see my name on the wall, and you know, I think the trophies I've won with the, my team are more important than having my name on the wall. But it's it's still very special and it means a lot to me. Yeah, this has been kind of a Texas A and M week for me. I think last week we spoke to a track coach there. Last weekend, we spoke to Maggie Malone, who's an Olympic uh, javelin thrower from Texas A&M. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. Now, and now oh we're talking God. to you. And just by fluke, they all happened at the same time. But yeah, no, go Aggies. So yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Gigamags. Yeah, we, we say Gigamaggies. Gigamaggies. Okay. Okay. Oh, there's a term I've never heard before. It's uh, old tradition from when we played TCU. I think they were the Horn Frogs. Yeah, the Horn Frogs, the, the purple, the purple team. <laughs> In the purple team, yeah. yeah. The, when you catch frogs, you use a stick, and I guess that's called gigging them. 
So oh. that's how it came about is to gig gig the horn frogs and now it's a thing. <laughs> There's always things at AM. There's so many traditions. Yeah. Now we gotta have a horn frog on just to to get back at you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know what they say. But do you still have the record for the most wins? Uh, I I have no idea. I know I hold records. I have records there, but I have no idea what they are. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. Humble. Sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I just love that. You're like, <laughs> I got a bunch of records, but some whatever. Just, <laughs> yeah, so, some people like to rattle it off. They're like, oh, here's like my 12. And we're like, oh. <laughs> exactly. Okay, cool. exactly. No, because like uh, it might like mean something, but it really doesn't in the scheme of things like my my experience there means more to me and i would rather share those stories and the moments i had with my teammates and all of those things than keeping track of what i did stories like that translate so well on podcasts and interviews because that's what most people care about we can google and figure out like and see your records but if there's a story either behind that record or you're like oh i remember that night that i did this my friend actually just got us vincent van donuts and that really fueled me (laughs) to go on the field and you know what i mean like those behind the scenes stories is what we love. Yeah, for sure. And I like sharing those more than, again, any record or trophy or any of that. So Yeah, so Vincent Van Donuts resides at 1072 Tower Grove Avenue in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, in Tower Grove. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Accessible by Uber Eats. And Thank you for looking that up. <laughs> you had to find it. Eh? I wonder if they deliver out in D.C. <laughs> they might. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they have multiple locations. We can figure this out. I'll be on that for the next time. Just DM them and ask them. Hey, guys, remember me? Yeah. <laughs> Feel like sponsoring the podcast? No. <laughs> Considering your prices is delivery free? <laughs> Switching from playing to coaching. We've had guests on who said that they've always aspired to be a coach. In order to be a coach, you had to kind of play. Some say that, you know, it was halfway through the playing career that they realized, you know what, I, I just want to coach after this. And some, it just happened to be. They're like, I was done hanging up the cleats. Somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you're not done quite yet. What's your coaching story? Yeah, great question. My coaching story is I, I've always wanted to be a teacher, which I ended up being a teacher once the WPS folded. I panicked and got a job teaching seventh grade pre-algebra and religion. It was, <laughs> well, it's true. Like my, my paycheck of $12,000 a year didn't give me much in my bank account and there was no other means to play or, you know, I didn't have that support where I could go overseas to play. So I literally panicked, applied for a job like two weeks later and got it. So I know the NWSLPA, I don't know if you guys have checked it out, but they're doing this, they have this movement called, what is it, hashtag no side hustle. And it's it's players in the spotlight telling their story of still in today, 2021, they're playing professional, but at the highest level you can possibly play in the world and still having two or three side jobs to make yeah. money to yeah. for them to like live. So yeah, that it's I did panic. <laughs> I did get a job. So so I've always wanted to teach. I like I love teaching. I, I loved it. I since shifted away from it. And coaching obviously is teaching. When I was in college, I had a couple jobs, and one of them was coaching uh, a youth team uh, at night. So that's where it all started. And then 
I was coaching here and there when I was playing. Actually, I was I was coaching for a club here in D.C. while I was playing with the Washington Freedom. And then, yeah, when the NWSL came around, actually Mark Parsons ended up as the head coach, and he brought me on as his assistant coach. So I started in university with some youth teams, continued with youth teams. I actually coached for Gallaudet University. It's the deaf university in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. I don't know sign language, but I learned a lot when I was coaching. I coached there for two years. That was probably highlight one of my best coaching experience ever. The the kids there were really special and, you know, seeing the sport from a different perspective was eye-opening and something to witness. Yeah, that's got to be pretty unique. Very unique, yeah, yeah. But that's um so yeah, that's why I, I stayed with the Washington Spirit. I took over the reserve team, had them for seven years and coached with the first team for six years. I think that was it or reversed. As you can tell, I keep I keep detailed tabs records. on every <laughs> yes, on everything I do. I'm like, eh, give or take. I don't know. I'm here I, today. Exactly. You're focused on the moment. <laughs> yep. Live in the moment. Something my generation doesn't really do. We like to stare at our phones and record things and be like, remember that? I only remember it through this lens. I don't remember anything else. But meanwhile, you seem to remember everything from living in the moment, which is fantastic. And I envy that. Well, thank you. I try to try to live in the moment. Now, you already, you already congratulated us for you know Canada winning the gold. But looking at it internationally, have you noticed, like we've noticed, the other countries are coming up quick now? Yeah, I've been preaching this for a couple of years now, for a while. Yes, 100%. And it would be silly not to see it coming. I, I think we've all had blinders on for, for a period of time. Yeah, I think overseas in Europe, it, it's growing at a fast rate. And they have that infrastructure with the men's team and those leagues over there to su- financially support that. That's right. You know, here, the MLS is still in its infancy compared to... The, the clubs over in Europe. So the more opportunity those women have and are given at those clubs, you know, you're seeing that these countries are catching up to the United States and to Canada and to, you know, the teams that have always been on top. That's right. It's it's something we had really noticed. And I had something I'd, I had myself had been preaching that it's not going to be that long before the European nations really get up there in level as far as the women's game goes. And mm-hmm. I think you're right. It's really the infrastructure. It's it's not just the fact that they have the stadiums, they have the the schools already in place, but think of how many coaches even are available across X number of leagues that are looking for jobs that now have another opportunity on the women's side of things. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, to me, it, it was not a surprise. Like, to be honest, I thought Sweden was going to win the gold. <laughs> at this mm-hmm. Olympics. Gosh, yeah, they look so good. So good. So good. Watching mm-hmm. them was wow. Like I like the Yeah. Just the precision plays and such they were putting together was it blew me away. I, I was like, yeah. wow. Crazy. You know, so I just think maybe that even will push the domestic game, both Canada and US, even further. Yeah, I agree. Right? Like you you can't just take it for granted that well, we're gonna get a medal for sure. Right, you can't take it for granted. You've actually got to push yourselves forward to improve. For sure, and I think the days of being 
bigger, faster, stronger are over and we need to be more sophisticated in our tactics. And it starts at a young level. It starts in the youth level and obviously up through the college ranks and to the professional level as well. The American superhuman species is you need to match that or pair that with the sophistication and the knowledge and the tactics of the game that is embedded in the culture. People don't have a choice over in England. They're born with that, right? That's right. You're you're screaming like glory, glory, man United (laughs) immediately. Exactly. Or whoever your family is for, but you're watching it at such a young age and you're understanding the patterns of play and the phases of play and everything you need to know. And we don't really have that as well over here. So when did you start playing? I was a typical kid. I think when I was four, I had a sweet mullet and <laughs> I was a, a massive kid and that played center mid. Okay. And then when I was older and, you know, things got to be more serious, I tried out for my uncle's team which was a club team, like a, a select team, yep. I guess that's called, a travel team. And um, I tried out, and he ended up, I found this all out later, like in college, that he brought me on his team as a family favor. I wasn't good enough to make the team. He just brought me on because I was his niece. It was like a deal he had with the assistant coach. It was like, you could take that kid <laughs> if I could take my niece. <laughs> okay. And then the first practice, he they were asking who wanted to be goalkeeper. And of course, nobody raises their hand. And he points at me and is like, you're, you're the goalkeeper. And I would, I cried. I cried all the time because I hated it. But my mom would be like, well, he's your coach. You need to ask or, or tell him that you don't want to play. But I was too scared to talk to him. So that's how I was a goalkeeper. So you were forced in the position, then you became dominant at the position. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that, a couple of years later, my uncle cut me from the team. Oh, How's that? <laughs> I'm not bitter or anything. was Christmas no, the following. No. <laughs> yeah. I exactly. got you a slipper. <laughs> yeah. A singular. Yeah. Not- <laughs> <laughs> just, just one. That's right. Hey, KJ, can you pass the potatoes? No, apparently I can't pass at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, shit. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that was pretty good. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was better for the club that they brought this other goalkeeper because I played up in age. So they brought another goalkeeper in and they put me down to my age group. Okay, so you went to where you're supposed to be. Yeah, but come on now. <laughs> So did you go to Texas A&M on a scholarship? I did. Yeah, I was recruited to play there. I went down, to, and here we go into my A&M stories. Okay. Hey. This story is like is told still to this day at A&M. So my flight from St. Louis to Dallas was delayed because of storms. So when I got to Dallas, the puddle hopper to A&M had already left, and there was no flight the rest of the day. The next flight was 10 or 11 the next morning. Yeah. And here I was like a 16 year old kid in Dallas, never been to Texas in my life. Didn't know what to do. I 
overheard this woman saying she's getting a rental car and i was like uh excuse me could i hitch a ride with you down to college station (laughs) a random person a random person never met her in my life this is a time of no cell phones too so i couldn't call any like i could go to a payphone but i strategically didn't call anybody until we were on the road because i didn't want to wait three hours for the head coach to drive up get me and then drive three hours back to him to listen to him like pitch his school and have awkward conversations and I didn't want to stay overnight, so the next best option was just to hitchhike. And when I got, when we were like an hour into the drive, I asked to use her car phone and <laughs> called my mom and called the head coach. Needless to say, they freaked out, and I'm alive to, to talk about it. And I ended up going to A&M, so everything worked out well. But they weren't happy. <laughs> That's still awesome, though. Yeah. So just a little insight of who I am. In the moment. Yeah, in the moment. In the moment. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pro.sports.podcasters for the most current sports news. Now back to the show. So what's KJ doing now? From player to coach to agent, here we go. And started my own agency. And currently, is it, is it strictly soccer players? Yes, currently it's strictly female soccer players. So how does that feel? What part of it? Being entirely on your own your own boss uh you know it's uh, how is it being on my own it's terrifying it's fun it's liberating it's entertaining i've learned a lot <laughs> about myself and um you know the the agency business yeah but it's it's going really well uh if there are any players listening to this you know hit me up dm me we'll talk uh, no, but it's, it's been great. I think that there are, I got into this because the work I was doing with the reserve team with the Washington spirit, I was in charge of finding players, bringing them into our system, tracking them, creating draft boards and helping with all of that. Yeah. And if we didn't pick the players up or they weren't drafted to the NWSL, they were trying to find teams overseas and I was helping players you know, kind of advising them and helping them find teams or talk to teams, et cetera, because of course I want them to continue to play if they have opportunity. And I had an epiphany of, Hey, I'm basically an agent, just not getting paid for it. So this was a, a random thought four years ago that I've always had in the back of my head. And when the pandemic hit, I, and you know, we were all going crazy in our homes. It's like, why not just start this thing? So I launched it and, you know, women athletes are smart and compelling, and they're totally underrepresented. Uh, so I'm just helping them discover their power and getting them opportunities and, and pushing them out to the public, really, giving them the platform that they deserve. Oh, that's awesome. And how does pay scale compare between Europe and the U.S.? The U.S. is definitely, it, it depends. Like clubs over in Europe can play pay a player, you know, like Rose Lavelle goes over to Man City. She's getting a good income. Or okay. Sam Kerr is with Chelsea. She has a great contract. But then players below that, their contracts don't compare to the majority of the contracts in the NWSL. Okay, so like the average is is on a higher level in the states, but at the top level in Europe, you're getting a, a greater pay. Right. Okay. Okay. But you're seeing that too with and now in the NWSL, Portland 
you know, Crystal Dunn is no longer paid through the Federation. She's paid through Portland Thorns, and that contract's completely separate. And uh, I don't know the specs of that contract. We can imagine that she's making a good salary. Yeah, for sure. So there are cases, and there's starting to be cases like that, where to get players to stay in the NWSL, you know, their clubs are basically buying them outright. And the NWSL is is no longer run by U.S. Soccer, correct? U.S. Soccer still has plays a hand in it. They it does. Okay. Yeah, they play. They pay the allocated national team players' salary. Okay. 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 Now, KJ, you were over at ICC, I believe, it was last week. No, I was unable to go. You were unable to go. Okay. But your but Shay Groom, you're like you're an agent for her. She was a top goal scorer, if I'm correct. Yeah. She's top goal scorer, made the tournament team. She she's made for the world stage and she proved that time and time again, but she definitely proved that last weekend. Yeah, I was gonna say. And is there like a cool little backstory on how you two got to know each other and how she got to kind of fancy you as an agent? Um, so yeah, they she went to AM. She wore number six, as did I, which is huge. But when she was at AM, I was in contact with her a little bit, but not really, just more, you know, an alumni supporting the stellar. Yeah, mentorship. You know, former, yeah, exactly. Um, and then when she got drafted into the NWSL, we exchanged numbers because I wanted to help her like when I was in the NWSL I didn't really have a, a mentor or another Aggie that were was there to or lived through that to help me through the beginning stages and through the my career so I really wanted to make sure that she knew I was there to support her for any questions she had she can come to me any issues whatever that would be and we had that we just built a relationship on that and then she would joke when I when I told her about my epiphany, she was she would joke. I'm you tell me when and I'll sign with you. Right on. And sure enough, here we are. She's she signed with me and the rest is history. Uh so my Instagram is at KJ Spizak, S P I S A K. I used to have Twitter, but they locked me out of my account, so I don't have Twitter anymore currently. But that's at KJ Spizak as well. Just followed. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It was was a blast. It was a blast. It was fun. Sweet. Cool. All right. Well, you guys have a good night. Good luck with your audition. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good luck, Justin. (laughs) 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 Have a good night, KJ. All right. Take care. Bye. 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 Cheers.